Hello, you're listening to Deathbed Discs with your host, Jada Robles. On this podcast, I ask my guests to bring five songs that they want played at their funeral. In 2018, three people very close to me died in the space of eight months, and it changed my perspective on grief and death forever. It opened my eyes to the often sad, strange, and sometimes even a little bit funny world of both death and grief, and how important it is to talk openly about it. And what better way to talk about it than through music? Today I'm joined by Rachel Wilson, an amazing writer and founder of the online community The Grief Network. Rachel was recently featured on the cover of The Times in which she shared her thoughts on love, loss and grief in the times of COVID. And she's also a regular on Foundation FM where she creates a radio show all about grief. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. We're just about to come out of a quite intense lockdown. Have you been? Yeah, I've been okay. I feel like time has sort of become soup in a way. <laughs> it's been quite hard to keep track, but actually the um, next restrictions lifting is the day before my birthday. Uh, wow. So that's that's quite nice. Um, just kind of be able to actually see some friends on my birthday this time, because last time I was in actual in lockdown. full lockdown. Yeah. That's so going to be really exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So let me start with my first question, Rachel. Have you ever thought about your funeral before? I actually have, like, not in any great detail, but um, my mum died, well, it's coming up to three years now. And we actually had um, this experience just before she died. She was ill. She had cancer for essentially a year. um, And then uh, it sort of worsened. And we had a two-week period where it was, um, you know, she was into palliative care. And actually in that two week period, me, my brother and my dad were all at home with mum and she essentially helped plan her own funeral. But she Mm. didn't really have a huge amount of specifics, but she had these three like rules. And one was one was actually no music because she didn't want us to um, hear anything in the supermarket and be triggered and all that kind of thing. So she Mm. actually didn't have any music at her um funeral and I think one of the other ones was just not wearing black and um but yeah it was one of these obviously just like such a difficult time but actually sitting there and planning it with her and knowing on the day that that is what she wanted Mm. um and that we'd given her this kind of like service that she kind of would have loved um was so was just so important like so so important and um yeah it made me think like when I go, <laughs> I want something like this where, you know, like the people that love me, like sort of know what's coming and, and it's got my personality and it's not a really like dark occasion. It's something that you can at least feel some sort of celebration and joy, mm-hmm. um, as well as obviously the sadness of that day. So I think I've always had a slight idea in my mind from that experience. Um, 
But I also know that, you know, as you live, your 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 ideas change and the things you like change and stuff. So it's a kind of evolving <laughs> mm. idea, I think. Um, so, yeah. That's so interesting. Did you end up not wearing any black for the funeral? No, I wore something that probably seems so inappropriate for a funeral. <laughs> I don't think there's, there's yeah, there's no case of being inappropriate no. for these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I mean... When I was younger, when I was maybe 12 or 13, we had a period of time, it was really bad for my dad. His um, brother died. And uh, so my uncle, who I wasn't at, like super, super close to, but my uncle died. And then my grandparents, my paternal grandparents died within a couple of years of each other. So wow. there was this period where as a young girl, I was going to these funerals and they were really like, you turned up in black at the cremation mm. place and they played like P.A. Yezu, which like no shade to P.A. Yezu, it's a beautiful piece of music, but it was like very somber and like, you know, and sad. And it was mm. the only time I'd ever seen my dad mm. really cry. And like, and I just remember feeling like that was so heavy. And it, but also it wasn't really a reflection of any of those people that had passed away. It wasn't really, um, super like infused with their personalities or anything like that so I kind of got it when mum said that she didn't want to wear black and I'd actually said to her I was like I don't want to wear black at your funeral mm. and she was like well that's great because that's one of my that's one of my rules um so I was wearing like a little and it was so hot it was um well it was coming up to three years it was the day after my birthday so which is 14th April and I think we had it maybe five days later and it was just such a sunny day and I was wearing like a like red silk like cami top and this like little red floral skirt that I'd bought that I like literally I think five days before but it showed my mum and I said do you like the skirt and wow. she was she was so ill by then that all she could do was like do a thumbs up and she like nodded and I was like oh mum loves this skirt so I just ended up like wearing that so we looked I think when we went to the church almost like a wedding like everyone was looking like very bright and um and all of that so but I remember that that felt so nice on the yeah. day and and it suited the season as well so yeah. you know it was it was a it was really nice to be able to do that the color black has come up a lot with this podcast already I think because mm. a lot of people having mixed feelings about whether they would or wouldn't wear it my question is based on having not worn black to a funeral, especially a very close funeral, do you think then you're going to do the same for yourself or or for any other loved ones? Yeah, I think definitely. I'm like quite, well, I think just that formative experience of being at funerals where everyone was wearing mm. black and, and, and also seeing people kind of stress out about like what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Like um, I remember actually an ex of mine, his aunt died and he didn't have any like black, shoes and he had like brown leather shoes and then he was like oh is this really disrespectful to my aunt to wear like brown leather shoes and I remember being like I don't think so mm. <laughs> like I think it's fine um but I don't know because it's your you know it's your family and mm. I don't I don't know um but yeah I think um I think definitely I think for my own I'd say like you know dress up like mm. wear something that feels nice or something that brings up a memory or yeah comfortable exactly that celebration part is so important. I've actually just started seeing online now um, a lot of sort of pre-funerals that are being held. So not, mm -hmm. it's not actually a pre-funeral. It's like a celebration before a funeral. So a celebration of life, really, but in the form of a funeral, as it were. Um, mm -hmm. But essentially, it's just a party sort of a few years before. Um, so I think slowly but surely there seems to be 
some some people who are adopting these newer sort of more celebratory not newer because it's not new but yeah they're embracing that aspect of like it being a celebration and and being a bit colorful and more jovial you Mm. know in to the extent it can be obviously so tell me what your first song is and why you've chosen it so my first song um is a song that just has so many different kind of associations for me um it's uh, someone great by LCD Sound System, um, and actually, it is very linked to my mum because, as I said, my mum was ill for for about a year, and I was living in Berlin at the time. And I'd been on this um, night out when I was in Berlin, and actually, for me personally, I found the year before mum died like harder mm. um, than that year after she died because. I had this sort of anticipatory grief, but I also didn't really know that that was what was happening to me. And so I was living in Berlin and like finding it difficult. And I remember being like, but it's Berlin and I should be having fun Mm. and I'm 25 and I should be going out. And then when I, but one night when I had gone out the next morning, I was sort of sat in a cafe with that sort of days, (laughs) days look when you've been out a bit too long. And um, (laughs) Been out in Berlin, that will do it to you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I remember sitting there and like this song came and I was in a cafe at like 10 a.m. in Berlin, which means there was no one in there, obviously. (laughs) Um, And I was sat, sat there sort of nursing this coffee, feeling a bit sorry for myself. And this song came on, um, like on the speakers and it was just like, I sort of locked into it and I was like, oh, this is a cool song. And I, so I'd like Shazammed it and it was LCD Sound System. And I just started listening. They just released their like latest album, which I think was American Dream. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, great. And, and then I just, it was one of those things that just got stuck in my head and I listened to it so much and it reminds me of kind of, and then obviously I found out that the the lyrics, so the lyrics are about, um, the singer like losing his therapist like finding out that his therapist has died um and that's where the the lyrics come from Mm. it's like when someone great is gone what are the options and he says things like the coffee doesn't even taste bitter like saying like you know life is going on but it feels like it it shouldn't be Mm. um and wanting to talk to his therapist about his therapist dying and being like well I can't talk to you (laughs) because you're dead um (laughs) So, and but but then it's this dance track. It's like you, you want to get up and move and you want to dance to it. And obviously Berlin, it had that association for me of being like, this makes me want to like go out and like dance. And dancing was very healing. Do it all over actually. again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and if you go out all night and you're dancing all night, that's just like a physical, it's the same as going mm. for a long run, basically. Like it's Definitely. a physical endorphin thing. So it's just so like wrapped up for me in like, the kind of blend of like joy that you can have just pure joy like being with your friends going out dancing like finding happiness in a moment of like really dark Mm. like sadness and sorrow um so I just think that for me is just so meaningful and I feel like you put it on a funeral it's about grief but you can dance to it as well with with floral dresses and then (laughs) with floral dresses
I just kept imagining you sitting in like a cafe, like listening to that, <laughs> like after a night out in Berlin, yeah. and, <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, Thank you for that totally. description because it really took me there, and it really yeah. made me want to go out as well. Yeah, I know, particularly after the last few months, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I miss going out and being sweaty and listening to LCD sound yeah. system so much. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day. One day, yeah, soon. You mentioned something before, which um, which I'd like to explore a little bit. You talked about anticipatory grief, mm-hmm. um, which I haven't actually spoken to about this with anyone really, about this phenomenon or whatever whatever it should be called, but it's, it's really real. And... Mm. Um, it's funny, I, I think back to when, when my stepfather was passing away and, and that year before, and you don't even realise it. And I think it's only until years later that you realise that you were already you were already grieving, you know, many months before that actually happened. And if anything, there's almost this sometimes this release when when that person eventually does die. I think there's such a obviously such a before and after. I wonder has that sort of grief have you explored that grief more with your sessions at the grief network or have you been able to explore that in more detail yeah I think it's really like really common and I think Mm. the hard thing about it is that you you don't know that that's like it's people don't really know about it no one no one sat down and said to me like you're well firstly like my mum no one ever said she was gonna die they just didn't say that she would live and Mm. so it was like she had also she had cancer a couple of other times before so it was just like she had it when I was 11 and then when I was sort of 17 and so I feel like when I found out when I was 25 that she had it that I was kind of like yeah like you can't like how how would you survive that it's like the third you know Mm. not the third time unlucky basically um well it didn't come as such a surprise I guess yeah, and and it, it was, you know, pe- but but they used phrases like life limiting and and damage limitation in terms of when she was having surgery and stuff. Mm. So kind of knew she would die, but like for for example, my uncle who died when I was younger, he had pancreatic cancer, and they said he had six months and he lived for four years. So they obviously wouldn't give, and I think we've got to that point now with cancer where they don't give you that prognosis because yeah. you can just it it really depends. So you know, I moved to Berlin because I I was studying at the time and I had, the plan was to move to Berlin. And I did because I kind of thought, oh, well, maybe we'll have like a year, like two years, three years, and I can do like a year in Berlin and then I can come back and, you know, and my parents were very much like, you should live your own life and you should, we don't want to to, to like have this stop you. Um, So firstly, no one sat down and said, she's going to die. And then secondly, no one said, and you're going to start grieving now. <laughs> now yeah, is the grief. Yeah, yeah. And I, looking back, like I would say that when she died, I then expected it to hit me like a like a tidal wave or like a ton of bricks or something. And I kept waiting for it to just mm. to just destroy me, and it didn't. And it and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like my mum just died. Like yeah. why aren't I feeling worse about this? But I felt almost like calm and numb and obviously very sad but it was like I was already kind of at sea with it yeah um and all the reactions that I'd been taught that you should have I had when I found out she was dying so I had like the sleepless nights and the like total anxiety and the 
like the fear that just keeps you awake and the like you know just total like it's in, it's a hugely like visceral bodily feeling of like oh my god because you're like how the hell do I live without this bed like it's mm. just not possible yeah 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 um and obviously I was quite young so there was no one I could really turn to and be like well what was it like when your mum died when you were 25 like no one else I had a, a conversation early on with my dad who was like you know I was in my 50s I had your mum I had you guys like yeah my parents were really old and um doesn't make it like any better but like I can't give you any advice um and I think that's something that people struggle with and I we do get requests um sometimes for people who are in that anticipatory stage yeah um to be able to come but they're always kind of apologetic about it and being like is it okay like I know that they're not really dead yet so we're like, no, you can totally come. Yeah. Like you a hundred percent. If that's yeah, join us. And so many people will know what that's been like. And if that's helpful to you, yeah. then that's helpful to you. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I kind of wish more people like knew about it so they could understand that their reaction when that is it's happening normal. is, is grief and it's valid and it's normal. I think it's so difficult as well, because I think there's them, I think a lot of the time there's a lot of denial you know prior to it happening at least with us there was a lot of it and I feel I have a particular bone to pick with a lot of doctors around that that time because I feel like we know we, we talk a lot about us not being able to cope with talking around about death and grief and, and us not having the tools but I I often feel that even those in the medical profession they don't even have the tools either I feel mm -hmm. like because they're highly intelligent, skilled people, we we place so much faith in them and we kind of expect them to guide us, but they're just like us. And I feel like they're even at a loss with it of um, of how they talk about it. And I know with my stepfather, nobody ever really stopped to say he's dying. Mm. And, um, you know, and it, and it got to a point where it was like, it was actually our GP down the road who came and was like, no, he's dying. It wasn't even his oncologist. Mm. And you know, that's really difficult. And I think that also just comes down to this inability that we have to talk about these things. And even those who we expect to be able to talk about them, you know, don't. And I think that that also then permeates in this almost denial. I think mm. also this intrinsic survival, you know, sort of sense of survival of, of you know, they will get better. It will be fine. Mm. We will mm -hmm. find the treatment and we find a lot of people just get stuck on that sometimes a lot. You yeah. know, I think we get into that and it's almost like, well, until they're dead, they're not dead. And therefore yeah. I can imagine how also someone would perhaps feel a bit like wishing them dead almost if they came to your events before, right? Of that kind of yeah. sense of yeah, guilt, yeah, yeah. that guilty sense. But obviously that experience is super valid and, and, and they are probably going through all the grief, but they just, they don't have the tools to give it the name. Or yeah. the people around them to be like, no, actually, what what you're going through is you're already grieving, like because this person yeah. probably won't be around. But as you say, it's always so difficult, especially with cancer, because there are so many cases of it being like one week, and then it's like ten years later they're still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, oops, I got that timing a bit wrong. <laughs> yeah, and you have also you have like that language particularly around cancer and I guess other diseases as well of like battling and fighting and winning the yeah. winning the fight against mm. cancer and it's uh like I don't want to detract 
like from people who, you know, that is an awful experience and if feel if they have sort of survived or, you know, um, kind of gone into remission or whatever, I don't want to like sort of devalue that language for those people. But then for me, I was like, well, I don't want to say my mum was battling cancer because in which case she lost and she didn't yeah. lose. Like the only thing, you know, that was lost is is her, like for us. Mm. And it's she didn't lose anything she like you know that it was just her body you know and and at the end of the day like people that it happens and I remember sort of sitting there at the start being like well kind you know you have that feeling of like why me like why is this happening mm. to me yeah um and I guess that was the other thing about being young is I felt so alone and I was like why yeah. is this happening to me like none of my other friends are going through this and that's why it's so nice to have the grief network because you feel like well actually it's not that uncommon like it is maybe not the norm, but it's definitely not uncommon. Um, and and I remember sort of at one point just sitting there and being like, well, people die and like mum's dying. Like this is her time and she's dying. Like, so it's not, she's not losing. She's not fighting. She's literally like her body is doing what her body does and we can wish that it wasn't doing that, but it is. And, and it, it essentially means nothing. Yeah. Like, which sounds so weird and sort of cold, but like it, it, it's so easy to try to, well, obviously so natural to want to say like, why or what's the meaning of this or like, and how could we avoid it and so on. Yeah. And it's like, well, just life is just not like that. Like we don't have as much control as we think we do. That is so true in terms of language, that those mm. words that you've just described, it's so, it's so true, that reality of how we talk about those things like battling and like losing or winning. And, and I think that that's maybe our own insecurity of, you know, how do we, how do we justify what's going on? Well, it can only be this kind of war. And it's like, no, it's, it's not a war. It's, um, I read this piece that you wrote around how in the past society, how they used to grieve in society and how that's changed so much. And then I read this beautiful passage that you wrote around like Remembrance Sunday and, and how when mm. those things, those moments happen, we actually uh, take, you know, we're silent for like two minutes mm. and how mm -hmm. we've just become accustomed to silencing, right? And it's this like, yeah. this the way we use language, the way we use silence, all these little things that we cover grief and death in you know mm. we we stand for two minutes in absolute silence to commemorate people that have that have died but we're just putting it in this sort of really silent and it, and it is it's like associating death with silence it's associating yeah. this idea that you shouldn't talk about it you know you yeah. shouldn't you know and I thought that was so interesting that that observation around that yeah well I mean and I, I think in like I could just, I'm not a historian, so don't ask me yeah. <laughs> specifically, but That's okay. I'm pretty sure in <laughs> not very quiz old, you. yeah, no, I'm pretty sure in like quite old Irish, like funeral services. And this, I think this was maybe centuries ago, not sure, but they literally had professional mourners that would come and they were usually women. And they would, that's where we get the word keening from is people like would come and wail. Like they would, they were paid to come and wail mm. and to like mourn and mourn loudly and expressively and to like, properly like the word is keen like keen over someone and you know that's and we don't have that anymore we have this feeling that like you need to yeah stand and be silent and so on yeah. and that's how you honor someone and there's no perfect way to do it because other cultures have you know different ways and 
even even that idea of celebration like well yeah. some people want to just be fucking sad like yeah, some yeah, people yeah, want to do that kind of sad thing and and that's what's helpful to them so being forced to sort of feel joy yeah. or happiness or gratitude or celebration is not uh, you know useful for them um but yeah I, I do remember like growing up and you would you had those two minute silences and that's you just learn from a very young age well if it's very 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 important then we don't I'm talk silent. about it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Tell us what your second song is and briefly tell us why. So my second song is also actually somewhat related to Berlin. Um, my mum. Oh, <laughs> well, so you're going to say no, Berlin actually, and going out. Yeah, Berlin. <laughs> Berlin again, yeah. Uh, just all my funeral tracks are going to be deep techno. Uh, <laughs> um, that would be so fine. This, no judgment yeah. here, Rachel. <laughs> no judgment, yeah. Just make it Berkheim. That's my funeral. Uh, <laughs> um, so the second one is Sweet Thing by Van Morrison and... Basically, after my mum died, I had an, I, I know that actually other people have experienced this as well. I had a thing where I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to connect to like current culture. I don't know what happened in 2018, basically. Like my mum mm. died in 2018. I don't know what songs were released. I don't know what albums were released, blah, blah, blah. I liked listening to old stuff that like would have been around when my mum was alive. Mm. And so I listened to, I just started listening to like Astral Weeks by Van Morrison. And it was the first time I'd ever heard that album. And there's a song on there called Sweet Thing. And he talks and I think he's talking about a lover, but obviously I just related the lyrics <laughs> to my mum. And also that I'd come back to London. So I was in London post mum dying and it was this beautiful summer. I mean, it was the most amazing summer. Um, and it, it was just so warm. And he talks about kind of, being you know holding someone in his arms again and we'll we'll not remember that we ever felt the pain and I just remember thinking like if there's an afterlife like my mum's in paradise Mm -hmm. or like some beautiful garden and we'll be reunited and we won't remember the pain of all of this um so yeah that's (laughs) that's this track amazing
I love that. Thank you for sharing that song and that um, that description. It was beautiful. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> so, Rachel, I wanted to ask you, you briefly mentioned it before, but do you believe in the afterlife? So, <laughs> I, I don't believe in it technically. Like, I don't really think it exists as, like, a separate... Place, place where we go yeah. you know or like a heaven or, or whatever um but I think what I do kind of believe in and it's so much more sort of I mean I have to say when I'm at the grief note what Nick sorry grief now <laughs> meetups lots of people say this kind of thing where they like begin and they're like this is gonna sound really hippie it's gonna sound really new age <laughs> yeah. like because I think obviously it is such as, you know, it is a spiritual experience mm. as well. Grief is a kind of spiritual and it asks you like what you believe and, and you know, there's huge questions of like, why do we live? Why do we die? Like what happens to that mm. person when they die? Like where have they gone? Like mm. that's so weird. <laughs> they were here and now yeah. they're not here. It's such um, a strange feeling as well that. It's, yeah, it's, it's so weird. And I think your brain is just like, it needs an answer. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, heaven, it, it heaven's can't, a thing. It can't, <laughs> can't rationalise it, the fact exactly. that that person was with you and then suddenly they're not. It's just, it's bizarre. It's really strange. Yeah, it's a really, really weird feeling. Um, so I kind of think, I have a thing about like, essentially everything being connected and physical and so like you know we're all made of different carbon atoms and water and yeah. all this stuff and so I almost feel like you know it, it, it's essentially like kind of what we think about with spring and and the fact that like the world is constantly like regenerating and regrowing and yeah. growing from death and so on so I almost feel like that you know person or afterlife or whatever it is it's like a connection to like the universe and I almost feel like you know we and this is what I find so amazing about grief and also why obviously like these conversations are so important because we've been grieving since like the beginning of time mm. it's such a human thing to do it's the most human thing you can do apart from like essentially give birth or like make another human <laughs> like you know like it's the most like it's the closest you get to being a human it's the closest you get to experiencing something that someone else has experienced like yeah. that we all do essentially or we should all do um and so yeah it's, I mean I don't know how to like articulate it in a really like it's a bit of a a weird one but I almost feel you know for me like if I if if a like ray of light catches me in a certain way or there's a certain like gust of wind at a point in time where I'm thinking about something up I feel like it's my mum mm -hmm. and it's not that I feel like she's a ghost and sometimes I think if she were a ghost I would like <laughs> sometimes imagine like what she's off doing and like mm. who she might be haunting on my behalf or I don't know um but she because she she was very funny and quite witty and I know she would <laughs> she'd be off like, having hijinks somewhere um and the other thing I would say about that is also the thing I find really comforting or quite poignant is like with people that I've met through the grief network mm. and we tend to try when we have to like, you know, even if it's something like someone to take photographs or someone to record an event, 
we try to get someone who's been is is young and bereaved so yeah. that it's all kind of by and for young bereaved people but often you know I kind of feel when I hear this story about like who it is that's died I kind of imagine like my mum meeting that person at that moment where I'm meeting you know the person that is left behind for them like you know so I kind of have images of it and I guess that is just because an afterlife really is like the legacy that that Mm. person leaves and so my mum sort of lives on because I carry on you know talking about her and I carry her with me and I'll never not carry her with me um, and and that kind of reverberates, you know, with my dad and my brother have their kind of versions of that yeah, too. Yeah, of course. Um, so <laughs> slightly convoluted, like I thought it's a sort of, I don't know, like theoretical or ideal afterlife or something like that, but <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not a physical one. I think, yeah. again, there's no one size fits all. I, f- I feel yeah. for me recently, I've actually um, started dreaming a lot. Mm. And for me, I always, um, the other day I had a, really intense really vivid dream and Mm. but it was really nice and I I hugged my stepdad and he told me you know I'm going through a lot of change at the moment and I was telling him everything like almost shopping list format and I woke up in the morning feeling like I'd been with him it was really strange really strange yeah and I but I felt very peaceful and really nice and I think yeah again I think there's just no one size that fits all but when those little moments happen even if it's a gust of wind or anything like that I feel that they're so special um, whatever you yeah. believe in, really. Yeah. Well, I had that with um, the dreams, like just after my mum died. I don't have them so much now, uh, but I have had uh, the exact same thing. Like once she died, I had these like super intense. Like it, it was like it, it, it. It's like it. That can't not be real. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. So, so like it's like I was like with sat her, there yeah. spending time with her, um, and that kind of thing is like you're like that that that's not just a normal dream that has to be something mm. and whether it's just your body like having a very intense memory whilst you're asleep or like or something else you can't not wake up from something like that and be like they're there somewhere mm. like <laughs> in the room don't know where they've gone yeah. but they're there yeah yeah that's amazing so Rachel we're coming up to your third song now mm-hmm. tell us what it is and why you've chosen it this one is not related to my grief (laughs) um this is more of a me song this is um one that actually I've heard in like the last year but it's lyrically just I really love it and it's um look at me now by Caroline Polachek and it kind of starts off with her saying like if I like that she's writing herself a letter um and what would she and it's just one question it's sort of like where like where are you now and are you a shipwreck or a star and I think that's so mm. poignant because I think for me in the past, you know, three or four years, I've gone from being sort of like slightly carefree 24, 23 year old to now being nearly 30 and having gone through so much crap <laughs> um, and finding joy, but also having such deep, you know, like yeah. low moods and and it's like, where where am I going and what what will become of me? Like, is it a shipwreck or a star? And then there's a point in the song where she says, like, that she's burying the good girl. She knows she's not. And I feel like that is a woman kind of, instead of just living a very simplistic or like the way that she thinks she should live or be has been told that she should live, she's sort of saying like, no, I'm just going to embrace who I am mm. and like the multitudes of who I am and maybe that is a shipwreck and a star who knows together <laughs> um, I love but, that yeah. 
This week's episode has been sponsored by Aura, a platform run by my good friend Dave and his dad. Together they're trying to normalise conversations around death and grief by giving people the opportunity to plan and organise their end of life together with their loved ones. Basically, you can use Aura to store and share your end of life wishes, funeral plans, including songs, of course, and some other really important bits related to both life and death. It really is quite something, so if you have a moment, check them out at www.aura.life. Right, now back to the show. So, Rachel, at your funeral, what food will be served? Oh my God, I don't know, actually. It's a really interesting one. I feel like there's so many, like, different... I'm someone, I think, for food, it's like... For me, it's to do with memory. Like I don't, I'm not like a big cook and I'm not like a big foodie person. Um, so there's so much more around like memory and favorite dishes at favorite places and stuff like that. I think number one would definitely be real champagne. That's like, <laughs> we're having champagne. That's definitely. like my favorite. An occasion, you know. Um, and then food, like I want something, I guess, like <laughs> Spicy food. Spicy like I food. Love spicy food. Yes. Um, Into that. But also, I feel like I need. I would. I want like a nod to the fact that I'm also just such a like little comfort eater. So I would want like shepherd's pie oh. or something. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something really childish and basic. Like for me, that's like my wife's, <laughs> and just a lot of chocolate as well. A lot of chocolate. So chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it would be really weird. They'd be like, why is there like a really spicy Thai <laughs> curry, Marmite sandwiches and Cadbury's chocolate <laughs> and real champagne. So that's me. That's my personal brand. That's great. Food. <laughs> that's great. And I'm sure everybody will be enjoying that to, the, to equal yeah. measures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I love asking that one. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, given all of the work, incredible work that you do with the Grief Network and help, you know, helping so many people to grieve and anticipatory grief and post grief, if that Mm -hmm. that is a thing, post grief or just general grief. um, Mm -hmm. Do you, would you have any learnings that you could share about how to deal with grief? Sort of maybe like two, two or three sort of, you know, major learnings that that you have from from 
if you had to sort of summarize it I know it's very difficult to summarize but yeah, yeah just I guess two or three learnings which you would like to mention would love to share I think the one that I always I think there's two and they are linked that I really I think it all comes down to and the first is like being kind to yourself it's incredible how when you're going through a really difficult time, you can just start taking it out on yourself. It's mm. so weird. Why does your brain do that? That's just, it's so, like, why would you do that? You're already having a hard time. Why are you making it harder for yourself? Like, I don't say that as a blame thing, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so good. <laughs> yes, this is a, <laughs> feeds into being hard on yourself. No, um, I, I think there's so many times that you're, and you you can be so unconscious that you're, doing it but that's why I think the misconceptions around grief and the fact that we don't talk about it and the fact that a lot of people have you know their conception of grief is usually what they see in a soap opera yeah. or something like Fleabag which mm-hmm. is like some people really love and some people think is like yes that's what it was like for me and other people are like I didn't like I didn't do any of that I just sort of sat in my room and felt sad and I didn't go out and have yeah. sex and get drunk like um that looks more fun like <laughs> than what I was doing no, I think I think you can feel like I'm not doing it right. We have this this feeling of like, how do I do it right? Mm. And if you don't feel like how you're reacting is the correct response, then you can pile loads of blame on yourself for not doing it properly. And there's just no right way to grieve like whatsoever. So I think being kind to yourself and being so attentive to yourself and often you don't really have to do it I think particularly if you're young you've probably never been prompted to have to do it before the kind of self-care and kindness thing and it feels and it you know it's become such a buzzword in a way the self-care thing but it's so important and I think just really sitting down and being mindful and like kind of almost treating yourself like a child like what would I do if it if this was a little child who just lost her mom like she'd want to be fed well Mm. you know (laughs) she'd want hugs she'd want this like and if she cried no one's going to tell her off you know so I think that's you almost have to visualize yourself as a little kid because I do think particularly if you lose a parent or a sibling or something like that like it does take you back to being a a child because you're like I just want my mom or I just want my big brother Mm. or whatever so that's one and then having said there's no right way to grieve um (laughs) What I think is also really important, which would be number two, is expressing it. And expressing it doesn't have to be speaking. It can be exercising or dancing Mm. or like just Just writing or channeling it. Exactly. Like finding a way to give it an outlet. And it's not expression in a way of emotional expression. It's literally like, how do you get it out of your body? Because like grief sits in your body. Mm. And if you don't let it out somehow, if that's... big night out in Berlin or just sitting at home crying in the bed yeah exactly (laughs) it's good it's got to come out and if you don't let it out it will sit and it will cause like literal health problems like number one you know and so true you you have to find a way and it it will be possibly stuff that you've used to cope in the past before or whatever it is like as I said there's no correct way of like expressing it but I do think finding an outlet and letting it out Mm. um, is just like the most important thing and to continue doing it because I think after you've had a couple of years you're a bit like bored of of thinking about this now or I don't want to do it anymore and actually you do have to continue I have to sometimes just sit down and be like right Rachel (laughs) you haven't had a cry in a while like you need to sit there and think about your mum 
Um, well, it's an so ongoing think, process, yeah, isn't it? It's an exactly. it's an it's a never ending process. The idea that grief is only momentarily as well. It's like for the good and the bad. That kind of that's there forever. You know, it never stops. Exactly. It, it really is exactly. just sort of ebbs and flows. Which is why you have to find like a way of getting it out because it's just going to be more to come, yeah, basically. Exactly. So you you have to like yeah let it out and like and do it and just sort of do it ongoing as well mm, that's so great thank you I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening because I'm guessing a lot of people are going to listen to deathbed death <laughs> and every one of those <laughs> is going to ask themselves that so I'm glad that we gave them some of that information um so we're coming up to our fourth song now mm-hmm. Rachel please tell us the name of it and briefly tell us why you've chosen it so this one is just connected to like a really happy time of my life. So um, it's Fall at Your Feet by Crowded House. And um, I listened to it when I was younger and I graduated. I moved to Melbourne for two years and it was just like the most formative, amazing, like young 20s living abroad. That's so and cool as well in, in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just loved, like, I loved the culture there. I loved the people that I made friends with and, and everything. And I this is obviously a song I'd heard before, but it had never really had a meaning Mm. to me. And I remember uh, a friend of mine had like a record player and he used to play music in the morning and he had crowded house. And so it reminded me of like a really early morning in Melbourne with like a coffee, Mm. just sitting in the backyard, like hanging out with friends. And so it just takes me back to a really, really special time of my life. Lovely. I'm moving inside her Lying in the dark And I think that I'm beginning to know her Let it go I'll be there when you call And whenever I Rachel, suspense. If you could come back as anything, what would you come back as? I think <laughs> I, I just this just sprang into my mind. Let's hear it. Which is like that's, that's, <laughs> coming back as a whippet. <laughs> as a because, whippet. Yeah. Wait, I'm having to Google a whippet say. right now. Oh, what? As a dog. A dog. Oh. <laughs> I love how I've made myself a dog. Um, <laughs> it's it's because this is again this is another one of my weird like like hippie moments but like I love dogs yeah like they're the best and <laughs> I <laughs> but I feel like okay maybe it's more of like a yeah like I'm connected to this animal in some way but I have this weird 
like thing where whip it i think they're like highly sensitive you're like this has gone so left <laughs> um, i'm not sure where this is going but i'm gonna go with it <laughs> i feel like i basically have a connection to this breed because they just, come up just to whippets. me all the time just whippets like other dogs i love you know i don't care what kind of dog it is would love to pet it don't care like love it um but when i was thinking about getting one and i will at some point i was like you know what would i get and I've had so many instances where whippets have come up to me, like, and no other dog does this, <laughs> and just like have like rested their head on my knee or like looked at me, you know, those big eyes, like they like have looked long at me. Nose. And it's yeah, they're long nose. <laughs> and it's not because they're pissing on the bench, that's like what the other dogs are doing, you know, they're just coming and marking out their territory. They've like literally come and I, I've been in a park with like a good friend of mine a few weeks ago and I was saying like whippets love me and then this whippet like ran from about 30 feet like straight at me like oh my god like just bounced up like in my face and was just like you know I know people can't see what I'm doing right now I'm like acting like a frenzied dog um so (laughs) I feel like if I if I'm coming back as a living thing it's probably as a whippet definitely and and if not maybe some kind of you know, beautiful nature type thing. Like maybe you were a whippet in a past life. Maybe I was. Like, maybe, maybe that's, that's why I'm so sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it just literally your just nose sprang is, into my head. Your, no- <laughs> your nose isn't long, though, so it's not, like, abnormally long for it to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a strange choice because a lot of people would say I'm more personality-wise like a cat, so it... Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? They're good. I love that. Oh, I've never, way. never had whip it before. That's a first. <laughs> um, so just going back to the sort of um, the kind of grief and, and uh, sorry, I just saw something that looked like swans fly. Do swans fly? I think do. Sorry, I just saw three swans fly in front of me. They were really okay. big and they weren't seagulls. They were massive. Sorry. <laughs> It's Friday. Yeah, that's one of those great It's things. Friday evening. It's 8 p.m. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, obviously, given your involvement with the, the Grief Network, milestones and anniversary is something that's come up mm. quite a lot. And I, uh, I've only just started to sort of really embrace that. I wonder, do you have any specific rituals that you like to do? Or is there a way that you approach milestones? So I, I mean, it's only like three years, literally like next week mm. with my mum. So the first, I haven't got any rituals yet per se, because obviously it hasn't actually been that many times that we've had to do it. an anniversary. Um, but the first year, you know, me and my dad and my brother got together and went and had lunch and, um, and just spent the day together and, Uh, they came up to London, we walked around uh, Hampstead Heath, Mm. basically, because I wanted to be somewhere in, like, nature. Nature. (laughs) The Heath is the the most nature place in London that you can get. Near to Whippets. Yeah, a lot of Whippets. (laughs) There are, there must be a lot in Hampstead (laughs) Heath. Yeah, there would be. It's a a trendy Hampstead dog. Uh, (laughs) Um... And then, and then the last year was so weird because obviously it was, we were in the middle of lockdown and I was actually on my own. And I'd had my birthday the day before, which had been really nice. My friends had managed to like deliver me a cake and stuff like that. And then I kind of woke up the next day because of 
lockdown just feeling like well it's not any different to any other day and I just can't be bothered Mm. like I was honestly can't be bothered and then really late towards like I think I was in the bath and it was like 8 30 at night or something and I kind of had this like a huge panic where I was like I've missed it I've missed it oh my god I've missed it and I like got out of the bath and then we'd had a talk with Julia Samuel who like anyone listening totally go and check her out she's amazing um and she'd said and someone had literally asked the question, what would you do for an anniversary in lockdown? And she said, you know, do something to 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 commemorate yeah. it. Like, for example, writing a letter. Oh, that's nice. So I sort of jumped out of the bath and sat in the kitchen and like wrote my mum a letter. And, um, and it actually really helped and it made me feel like, okay, well, I've marked it in some way. Yeah. Um, but this year, because the restrictions have lifted me and my dad, I think are going to go for a drive and a walk. So I mm. think I usually would try to spend it with family if I can. And definitely like a walk in, you know, in, a walk in nature uh, somewhere close to trees and, you know, the sea and whippets. And stuff. Um, Sounds idyllic. Yeah, I know. And then on her birthday, I usually, which is in October, I, uh, I get a birthday cake and I get, some lilies because lilies mm. were her favorite flowers and that's actually what she had on her she had a sort of white wicker coffin it was decorated with these lilies and then a lot of daffodils as well that's so beautiful um yeah it was really really pretty um so I I make a point to kind of and then yeah this year I like cooked one of her recipes as well so I I try to do I try to sort of celebrate the birthday yeah. as if she was here or do something yeah, yeah, that reminds yeah. me of her and and then I think the anniversary is a day for family if you can be with them and if that's what's helpful to you yeah. um so that's um that they are really strange because it does just take you back yeah like it can take you straight back and it doesn't ever feel like it's been that long mm. like it's coming up to three years for me and I feel like it's been like maybe just about a year <laughs> like I know I have the same so I was January 2018 that my, mm. no, 19, 19, my stepfather passed away in 19. But I feel that at times it's been like a long time and then other times I'm like, wow, yeah. it really hasn't been that long. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just yesterday. Yeah. And it's I so think, bizarre. I think the pandemic particularly has been really weird because, you know, it, it just, feel, it doesn't, it feels like we've lost a year. Like I just don't feel, yeah. I keep saying last year and I mean 2019, I don't mean 2020. Yeah. So it's, it's like a gap in the system. Yeah, and I almost feel like I've universe. been like cheated of a year. Of, obviously, I have still been mm. grieving in the last year, but I feel like I've almost been kind of, it's like, no, 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 but that doesn't count. So I shouldn't be at three years. I should still be at two years. And this yeah. year that we've just had doesn't really count. Um, so it is, It's and also obviously the pandemic is so huge that it feels like, well, my mum has just, just never lived to see this new reality yeah. that we're all in, like, so that makes me feel very distant from her and it makes it feel longer than three years. But then almost emotionally, it feels like, well, it hasn't, I don't feel like it's been that long. Yeah. You you um, just spoke about this flowers. It's really nice to have daffodils, which mm. are, you know, yellow. Because I remember one thing was like, I remember saying to my mum, why is everyone like coincided to send in like white flowers? And my mum was like, no, that's what you do at a funeral. You send white flowers. And I remember being like, why? Like everything's yeah. just like full of white flowers everywhere. I remember thinking that's something that, I'm thinking that should should change. I feel like we need colour. Yeah, yeah. And and we, no? mum, yeah, mum loved yellow and she loved daffodils. And actually, obviously, this, this season, it was 
mid-April, so mm. the daffodils were That's like everywhere. Yeah, and so nice. and it means that when spring starts now, I like look at all the daffodils. If I see daffodils in the shops mm. or when they start sprouting, actually for me that's a really positive like association where I feel like oh I'm I'm yes it's this sort of yeah. difficult time of year because this is when she died but also this was this is so she loved this yeah. you know it's so colorful it's, and bright yeah, as well exactly so nice. yeah we're coming up now to the fifth and final song of mm. Deathbed Dis <laughs> I've been enjoying our chat so much um but this is the last song so please tell us the name of it and why you've chosen it so this actually is a full circle back to Berlin. <laughs> um, this was a song that I listened to a lot when I was uh, in, in one of the summers just before I moved there and I I'd spent about a month there before I moved. And um, I just listened to this album. It's Angel Olsen. The album is My Woman. But this song on it just, you know, I, I think it's just musically for me. It's I just find it really beautiful and I find the way she sings really beautiful and at the end she has this outro where she just repeats like heart heartache or heartache ends and then begins again and I just think mm. that's just that's just life like <laughs> that's the sort mm. of circular cyclical thing of life I could see you getting so it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you just melting into that. Yeah. So I love to finish Deathbed Discs with one, with my final question, which is, Rachel, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, I think it's so simple. It's just with love, you know, like mm. I, I, I think the way I remember my mom and the way I kind of, carry on her legacy is is just the love that she gave me and the fact that I was so loved you know for such you know for 25 years of my life and I continue to be even though she's not here and yeah the things that I learned from her and and having been loved that way is I think what I aspire to at least <laughs> put mm. out into the world as well yeah, and so I think the kind of warmth um and compassion and kind of you know just embracing the people that I love and and trying to to give that back to them um so 
very simple but hopefully <laughs> um uh yeah answer but that's I guess how I would yeah thank you for sharing that <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Deathbed Disc today. Thank you for sharing and being so generous with your with your memories and your stories and all of the wealth and knowledge that you've acquired over the last three years. And um, yeah, super grateful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Deathbed Discs. It's been a pleasure to have you with us and I really hope you can listen to the next one. If you'd like to write in about anything that we've talked about on the show or even want to send us your own song choices, you can email us at deathbeddiscs at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at deathbeddiscs. This show has been produced by Audio Commune and sponsored by Aura. And lastly, don't forget to tune into our Spotify Deathbed Discs playlist where you can listen to all the songs in their full, uncut and beautiful glory. Until next time, take care and see you soon.